Welcome to Thursday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com. He is Paul Dettino. I'm Lance Meadow with you for the next 60 minutes. 201-939-4513. That is the telephone number. You can also chime in in the conversation via Twitter, hashtag GiantsChat. A number of media pressers just wrapped up, so Paul and I will recap all of that. They're going to have their first practice later on today, so stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest. But let's start off the top. John Maris spoke to the media a few moments ago, covered a variety of different topics. Obviously, the first thing that came up was Odell Beckham and his contract and John Mara made it very clear that they have not started negotiations but they are moving in the right direction and he used the term sooner rather than later. Yes and John also said it was very important for him that Beckham reported and reported on time past his physical remember he had the ankle surgery late last yep. year injured in that uh, game uh, here at the Meadowlands uh, and then also was able to get on the field and show that he could do some things on the field. So that's where we're at. Uh, John Mara uh, seemed very comfortable with that schedule. Also said that the coach, Coach Shermer, and the medical staff will determine how much Beckham does at practice. Now, why do I bring that up? Because there are so many reports out there by people who want to just throw gasoline on this thing and make it a big issue. You know, there's there's no issue, okay? There's no issue. Uh Beckham knows what he needs to do. The team knows what they need to do. John Mara said we pretty much know where he's going to be slotted. So they, everybody is aware of what's going on here, and the process is just moving along exactly as expected by both sides. There is no explosive confrontation, at least from my perspective, after listening to the co-owner of the New York Giants. I agree with you. I don't think that he gave any indication that there was a hitting of the panic button or anywhere near there. And John Mara has addressed this issue numerous times all offseason, Paul, and it seems the tone has been moderate, even keel, and both sides will eventually come to some sort of agreement. I think what John Mara made clear, Paul, is the Giants value Odell Beckham. There was one point, if you remember, where John Mara was asked, do you think Odell Beckham is the best wide receiver in the league? And he said, listen, I don't want to downgrade other wide receivers, but we obviously value his services. Yes, and, and to answer that question directly is preposterous because everybody has a subjective opinion as to Absolutely. what they favor and who's best, you know? I mean, is it Brown? Is it Jones? Is it Beckham? You know, how do different people can have many different answers there? So it's a ridiculous question to ask. Uh, I will also say John Merritt did express a strong preference saying that he hopes that Odell Beckham Jr. was a giant for a long time. Yes. Okay, which so, he has said in the past too. By many the way. times, reiterated many times, folks. The bottom line is, I know I did it. I'm pretty sure you and John did it as well over the last several months. The panic button, the the flames that so many other media wanted to invigorate, shall we say, was unnecessary. Everything, as far as the Giants are concerned, is going along as it's supposed to be forecast. And at whatever day that this thing gets done, I think everybody believes that that's the way it's going to end up. Well, as you well know, Paul, the juicy, sexy narrative is when oh, a player click doesn't bait. show up. Come so on! I need sudden, the clicks! I need right, the clicks! You can get things moving. But the other thing that John Mara emphasized is... The Giants value the fact that Odell Beckham has been here throughout the entire spring program. He has been engaged with the team. He has basically had all the check marks that you go down the list, all of them checked off, and there hasn't been any issues with respect to that. That is a positive sign within the negotiation process. Well, and remember, 
These were all things that were expected that Coach Shermer and Odell Beckham had talked about early during the offseason. They have all come to fruition just as they were explained to us and as it was set up. This, this is all going according to plan. And the comments that some people outside in this clickbait world made, oh, he's not going to show up to OTAs. He's not going to show up to minicamp. He's not going to show up to training camp. He's going to hold out. He's not going to step on the field. All of these concocted uh, storylines, none of them... None of them have held any water. There hasn't been any validity behind them. None! But like I said, it goes back to the fact that controversy sells. And when you don't have the controversy, sometimes you have to stretch the narratives. This is what I will say from a big-picture perspective, Paul, and I think this says a lot about where the Giants are, where Odell Beckham is. You have Khalil Mack of the Raiders. You have Aaron Donald of the Rams. So Julio Jones of the Falcons is reportedly going to show up today for training camp after they worked out whatever they did late last night. The Falcons issued a statement. David Johnson, Cardinals running back, missed his team's mandatory minicamp. I could give you a laundry list of players, Paul, that have had issues, whether publicly or behind closed doors, with the state of their contract, and there has been an absence at some point during the spring or the start of training camp. Odell Beckham has been here throughout the entire period of time, and when he hasn't, the team has been well aware and the communication lines have been smooth. So he's here. The rest of the NFL is over here. Opposite end of the spectrum we're talking about throughout this entire process. The thing that that I think is most significant is that everything that he has said to the team, he has lived up to. Everything. He has not double-crossed his statements in any way, shape, or form. And that's the way it's supposed to be. You know, I say I'm going to be there, I'm going to be there. I say I'm going to be there at that time, I'm there at that time. I mean, he kept sending them constant reports as to how he was doing with his trainer out in California. And we've heard Coach Shermer say himself that, look, from everything we've seen so far, we're on board with his health. It's looking great. But coming off an injury like that, we are going to be smart in how we utilize him during training camp. Which is completely understandable. All of this makes perfect sense. Why is it that some people don't want to believe what (laughs) makes sense? Because of clickbait once again. So let's get off this topic. We've exhausted it enough. I'm glad that the truth continues to rise to the top. You know, I really am because I like to deal in facts Um, in any event. I would also mention one other thing. Sterling Shepard was peppered with some questions about Odell, too. And it was very, very uh, um, well enunciated by Shepard that Odell is focused. He is ready to play. If anything, he is more motivated than ever coming off of the injury to prove that he is still a superstar elite receiver. And that comes from Shepard. I think he used the term he's hungry. And yes. you can see that from being around him. That's what Sterling Shepard mentioned and what the other receivers have noticed. I, I, I saw Odell this morning at breakfast. And he, he was hungry? Or he was well-fed? Oh, hungry, thirsty. Yes. And Did he go for put, seconds? put a rule on me. And that rule? That rule? Yeah. I came in with boat shoes on this morning. For practice, it's training camp, right? Boat shoes. Did boat I hear shoes. you correct? Okay. Okay. Well, well you don't have let's to show. Sh- let's show people. 
Okay? <laughs> okay, boat shoes. I just wanted to make sure I heard you. Boat shoes. Okay, boat shoes. Loafers. Who I don't know. Okay, Sandals, lo- whatever you call them. Loafers, loafers, I think, would whatever. have been a much more manageable term Odell, than boat Odell, shoes. But, Odell okay. told me. Yes. Put a rule on me. Yes. Said, no socks today? I looked. No. I said, is that a problem? Do I need to have socks? He said, no, 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 no. You didn't come to training camp the first day with socks on. That means you can't wear socks for the rest of training camp. That's interesting. I said, for real. That is a he superstitious said, type of thing. He for said, him, that's I it. Guess. No socks okay. the rest of the training camp for you. Can you abide right. by those rules? Yeah, Are you okay? well. Are you going to follow the rules or you're not too worried about what I'll, Odell Beckham says to you? I, I, will, I will follow it. So I'm going to check up on Look, you then every day if, to check whether or not you're If this is a socks. superstition yes. that's going to make him feel better, then you will follow I'll it. do it. Okay. Look at this, a new development that Look, we're breaking here on Big Blue Kickoff He's Kick not Live. asking me to cut my hair and wear a blonde No, it's not a huge sacrifice, on. but for the sake of other people had he done, around you, Had he asked me to go to his hairstylist, I might have put the brakes on it. Okay, I understand. But for the sake of other people around you, wearing socks, to me, I would think is an important feature in terms of the clothing protocol. Well, clearly he's got So I don't think it. you're taking into consideration the well-being of others within your vicinity. The gentleman has a superstition, apparently, about socks. He saw what he saw. He requested that I follow the rule. Okay. I'm going to do what I can. So there you go. Paul Dottino will not be wearing socks for the remainder of training camp. In case you're just tuning in, we just want to make that very clear. As we return back to planet Earth on things that are a little bit more relevant to the Giants, <laughs> before we open up the phone lines at 201-939-4513 and get to your tweets at hashtag GiantsChat, wanted to go over a few other things that John Mara said not related to Odell Beckham. And one of the things that he was pressed upon, and this goes back to last offseason at this time, Paul, is the expectations surrounding this team. Mm-hmm. And you know, we talked about media narratives with Odell Beckham. The hype machine always starts up, not just with the Giants, with every team. I mean, this is the time of the year where people make bold predictions. And John Mara, from being around him all these years, the one thing about him is he doesn't feed in to the media frenzy. He has his own perspective, and he doesn't think that what he sees in one or two days of training camp is indicative of what's going to come three or four weeks down the road, mm-hmm. five or six months. So, mm-hmm. you know, he was very calm when he was asked about what he thinks of this team, the fact that the Eagles are the defending Super Bowl champs. Does that add some additional pressure? And not biting at any of that it's irrelevant. compared to what was talked about last season at this time, though. It's still irrelevant. Well, As it's he said, yeah. this organization is coming off of a three-win season. That's unacceptable, and it's about trying to get back to the playoffs. Nothing else matters. He's right. No, I agree with him 100%. But what I'm saying is is that this is the time of the year where players are constantly asked about how high the ceiling is for this team. Members of the media discuss it at nauseum, mm-hmm. and you know he's not one that is going to, like I said, contribute to that. But the mindset of the team and just the organization, I think, is a little bit different because he even mentioned last year at this time, the Giants were picked as Super Bowl contenders, Super Bowl champs by many. They were considered to be the favorites of the NFC after winning 11 games the previous year. Us included. Absolutely. We we were very high on this team. That they would be able to pick up where they left off, mainly because the nucleus of the team was returning, Paul. So I don't think that was a stretch. I mean, nobody would have envisioned the amount of injuries that took place so early in the season. But that was why the hype machine was at an all-time high. Now you have a lot of turnover on this roster, a lot of talent. 
but also a lot of turnovers. It's a very different-looking team than it was at this time at the beginning of 2017. No question. One of the new faces talked today. Also, by the way, 201-939-4513 is our phone number, 201-939-4513. Connor uh, Barwin uh, had the opportunity to address the media today for the first time since he signed with the Giants yesterday. And, you know, he's the veteran linebacker, been in this league for a decade, Philly, Houston, the Rams, now with the Giants. Uh, Talked about how uh, he knew Coach Shermer uh, and Coach uh, Bill McGovern, the linebackers coach, from when they were all with Philadelphia together. So that made him feel very good and comfortable. Said that he had had long off-season conversations with the Giants and the Rams, amongst others. Actually, didn't mention the Rams by name, I think. But said there were several teams, including the Giants, I think he might have said the Rams, had had conversation for a while. But this is where he decided to come. Said, uh, why? He says he thinks it's a good fit. The Giants need a top three pass rusher. Obviously, he must be thinking Vernon is the lead guy. Perhaps, I, I don't I don't know where he was thinking the number two guy is. Maybe the number two guy is Lorenzo Carter. Maybe it's Kareem Martin. Maybe, maybe it's Aquara. Maybe it's Hill. I don't know who he thinks is the two. But he said every good pass rush needs three guys to get to the quarterback. You could even argue more, too. You're sure you could. And so uh, he or Moss could even be. Yeah. So anyway, Marwin said he expects to be one of those three leading pass rushers on this team, and that was very attractive to him. He also said, again, I reiterate, folks, he wants to go to a team that, that's going to have a shot at the Super Bowl. He obviously thinks that this Giants team – uh, is going to be somewhat in the conversation of the playoffs because you got to get to the playoffs before you can get to the Super Bowl. He must think this team has legit prospects or he would have turned his back uh, on the Giants when they made the offer to him. He is healed from his fractured forearm, which he suffered back in December of last year. He also said that um, he will play some Will, that's weak side, some Sam, strong side linebacker, and provide anything that this team needs because, as you know, the intangibles are big with Barwin. He's known throughout the league as a great locker room guy. Yeah. And he specifically said, and I thought this was one of the best answers I've ever heard, and I've been around this game a long time. He was asked, what does it take to be a great player? And he said, you have to be a great teammate first. Blew me away. you got to be, and what does it mean to be a great teammate? means you do everything you can to help every other player in that locker room win and produce and get the job done. Got to do that first before you can be a great player. Boy, that's that's pretty cool. Well, there's a reason why Alec Ogletree, when he addressed the media yesterday, called Connor Barwin arguably the greatest teammate he's ever had. Now, Barwin jokingly returned the favor today yes. when he was asked, but I don't think that that was said just as a cliched statement. I think there's validity behind that. The amount of respect that he showcases to his fellow teammates is obviously returned. You mentioned he overcame the injury. Coincidentally, he suffered that against his former team, the Eagles, late last season. So he said that it's motivation to go up against them now twice this year because he didn't have an opportunity to play his former teammates. He's been involved in a 3-4 defense with the Houston Texans as well as the Philadelphia Eagles. And I agree with you. I think he feels the Giants have upside and an opportunity to win this year. But I also think the familiarity, Paul, with a number of individuals tied to this organization was a huge selling point. Ogletree, I mentioned, Pat Shermer and Bill McGovern were with him in Philly for three seasons, 2013 through 2015. Mm -hmm. And he also made this clear. 
he had his stat in the back of his head, which I found interesting. He told you point blank how many sacks he had, Paul, during the three years he was with Bill McGovern. He threw out, I he think, did. 25 was the he number. Did. And he the did. other thing that I'll even throw out as another statistic which jumped off the page to me, six of the last seven seasons, he's had at least five sacks. That's the height of consistency in the National Football League. You find me a player where you pencil in at least five sacks each of the last seven seasons, that's a sign of a guy that brings his lunch pail to work every day and yields positive results. Outside of Olivier Vernon, who had one double-digit sack season, there's not a giant right now on this roster who has had five sacks in a single year. Yeah, well, he blows the rest of this crew away in terms of just career totals. So, I think that's very well said. And they needed somebody else with a little bit of a stronger pedigree in terms of getting to the quarterback. Now they have Vernon as well as Barwin. And let me add something else to this, too. I think when Barwin first signed here, again, we see him, I guess, more as a strong side guy because of his frame and his build. But they've got Kareem Martin there. They've got Lorenzo Carter, the young prospect from Georgia, who, by the way, again, referring to a teammate, Barwin clearly said, I'm here to mentor those kinds of guys, too. I want to mentor those guys. That's part of what I'm here for. He gets that. But... He also said, again, he's going to play some weak side. I think Barwin is going to take some snaps away from Olivier Vernon, who's been playing 95% of the snaps the last two years with this team and has been absolutely battered into the ground because he's been overused, because the Giants didn't have anybody they could sub out. I think there are going to be times, based on what Barwin said about playing some weak side, I suspect there will be some series where Barwin, on occasion, will just be able to spell Vernon, and at least the Giants know, okay, we've got a respected pass rusher who's proven, who other teams understand that, hey, you know what, if we don't take care of business, he can get to the quarterback too. And that's something the Giants didn't have before last week. Well, that's another reason why Vernon and JPP played literally all the snaps in years past. So I understand where you're going there. The other thing is Connor Barwin, and that's why I brought up his history, Connor Barwin was on Philadelphia leading through 2016, and then last year he played one season with the Rams. But the reason I bring up his tenure with the Eagles is Jim Schwartz came in as defensive coordinator in 2016. What is Jim Schwartz known for, Paul? Rotating defensive linemen. Barwin understands that in this day and age, in this league, Strong teams that pride themselves in being aggressive and getting to the quarterback cannot just rely on Vernon and JPP. You need five, you need six, you need seven if you're fortunate enough. So he understands, I'm not anticipating to come in and playing every single snap. No. In order for us to be a strong unit, we're going to rotate, we're all going to get our opportunities. And he got a first taste of that in 2016 playing under Jim Schwartz. Well, I think the best thing you, you can say about Barwin is that because he's been in the league for a decade and he has played in a variety of schemes for a variety of coaches and a variety of coordinators, there's nothing here, even better scheme isn't going to be all that difficult for him to pick up. He's going to be versatile, and he's going to be able to do certain things that that the Giants haven't had on their linebacker depth chart in a lot of years. Absolutely. 201-939-4513. That is the telephone number. Hashtag Giants Chat. Just a reminder, in case you're tuning in now, all throughout training camp, the show is going to start at 1 p.m. Eastern as opposed to our regularly scheduled time at 12 p.m. Eastern. We should also tell you that, in addition, MSG's got big-time training camp coverage throughout the day. Every half hour, live one-minute updates from the facility here. 
And at 4.30 today, there will be a live one-hour training camp show. Bob Pop is going to be here. Shuttle Harris is going to be here. Myself, Madeline Burke. We're all going to be aboard. 4.30, one hour this afternoon on MSG. So check it out. We'll have a complete wrap-up on everything. All right, let's open up the phone lines. 201-939-4513. Pete is on Staten Island. Pete, what's happening? Hey, good afternoon, guys. How are you? Doing well, Pete. What do you got for us? All right, first of all, Paul, where'd you go on vacation to the sun? <laughs> no, it's uh, that's not Paisan skin, my man. You know, I got the oregano flowing in it, yeah. and every year I I seem to, well, I don't know. It just happens. <laughs> you got that olive oil skin, yes, sir. All right, then listen. You know what? I don't want to be Debbie Downer, but you know what? Um, I'm, I'm first off, I'm very excited about camp, and after what I heard with Sam Beal yesterday, it just got right under my skin. I mean, you know, I'm just wondering what the procedure is and who is going to be held accountable. Because now we're not talking about one player. We're talking about two draft picks. We're talking about Beal, and we're talking about McIntosh. Okay? And I don't know who the doctors are, okay? But somebody here has to be held accountable. We never heard anything about any former shoulder problem or injury. And I can't imagine the guy had pads on. And I'm thinking to myself, what's he doing to tango? And he rips his shoulder apart. Okay, okay. I, 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 the year? I I'm gonna it. I'm gonna answer you. I'm gonna I'm gonna answer you because I'm I'm familiar with what happened. Coach Shermer talked about it this morning. The Giants had been aware going into the draft that Beal had had a prior shoulder injury. And if you remember yesterday when the announcement, the Giants issued a statement about him, they said he aggravated yeah. his shoulder. The word aggravated his shoulder means there was a prior condition. They, were, they knew it. They were aware of it. They're admitting it when they say aggravated. They didn't say he injured his shoulder. They said he aggravated his shoulder. Right, I understand okay, that. so they knew going into their supplemental draft that there had been a shoulder issue in the past. Having said that, looking at the man's talent, they thought it was worthwhile to use a third-round pick on him. So let's put that part of the equation out of it. The Giants' medical people, he passed their physical. They knew he had had a shoulder injury before. So you don't want to hold anybody up by their toenails for that because they're telling you exactly what the deal was. The second part of your question, what happened to him? My understanding, honestly, it's like sometimes when you wake up in the morning to go and brush your teeth and you accidentally bump into the door or bump into the wall. It does happen sometimes. He accidentally collided out of practice. Again, there are no contact practices. But when guys are running around on the field, sometimes guys aren't looking, the head's turned, and boom, I hit that guy. Well, he collided with somebody, happened to hit the shoulder in the wrong way, and suffered an aggravation of a previous injury. And so the Giants right now, as they have said and been very upfront about it, they are looking at all of the options before they decide what they are going to do with him. Yeah, there hasn't been any formal announcement. I know there's been some media reports. There has not been any formal announcement from the team about long-term what this means. Coach Shermer said today it is possible, it's on the table, he could need surgery, and it's possible he'd be out for the season. That is certainly possible. But to this point, they have not exhausted all of the options yet. In fact, Beal was out at practice yesterday, okay? He was limited. He didn't do all the drills, but he was out at practice yesterday, and he was doing some of the stuff, even though he had, he had already been a bit wounded. So 
I think right now all options are open, and they're still hopeful that there's a way they might be able to get him on the field this season. So if that answers your question, I'm glad. If it doesn't, I don't know what else I can tell you because those are the facts. Yeah, you know what, Paul? It, it does answer my question, but it begs to the question on who clears, who clears that the player is healthy enough to be drafted. And I got to, you know, to be quite frank with you, I think it's a little bit, I think it's a little bit, I'm looking for the word right now. To me, it's unacceptable. To me, it's well, but, unacceptable. But, Pete, you, you, have, you have to you understand. Pete, you, you, have to, you have to understand. When you draft a player, and I've said this on, on this show multiple times, and listen, people want to disagree with me, they want to disagree with me. You're not drafting a player for one year. You're drafting a player because you think that player is going to contribute for potentially the duration of the rookie contract, mm-hmm. and ultimately, in an ideal world, you want them to warrant a second contract. So I understand the frustration that, yeah, year one, it doesn't look like Sam Beal will contribute as a result of the shoulder injury, but when the Giants used a supplemental draft pick, which is the equivalent of a third rounder next year, they're not thinking Sam Beal's just going to be here for 2018. They're thinking Sam Beal's going right. to be here for a few years. So, once again, in the short term, I understand your frustration, but I don't think you can look at it in a bubble that it's just for 18. It's an investment for the near future as well as hopefully the long term. And Pete, I'm going to add some explanation to you and more clarity again. I can't tell you how Dave Gettleman and Pat Shermer uh, and, and this staff actually runs the injury chart. But in years past, the Giants, like many other teams, they had, when they look at the personnel folder of a draftable player, okay, There used to be, at one point, again, I don't know if it exists today, so when I tell you this, I'm not giving up a company secret, I don't think. There's a grading system on every prospect of one to five as to his level of health. Five is a pristine player who's never had anything wrong with him through his collegiate career, never missed a practice, never missed a game. He's pristine. You don't get too many of those, okay? The four means... He's had a little something minor, um, hasn't really affected him, didn't miss any games, maybe missed a few practices. It's a minor deal, and you know what? It's really not consequential. That's a four. A three is, okay, this guy needs a minor surgery, but it's a minor surgery. It's fixable. It's correctable. He'll have a long and productive career. Then you get down to the twos and the ones, and I don't even want to describe those for you. Usually, the policy was, if the guy is lower than a three, you're not drafting him. He, he goes in the pile that says he's undraftable, he's untouchable, too much of a medical risk. We're not, we're not spending a draft pick on this guy. That was the usual MO. Three and up, you considered him. My suspicion is suspicion based on the old grading system and everything that I've heard. My suspicion is... He was probably either a three or a four. And, and that, again, I don't know if that system is still in place here today. But I hope mm-hmm. that gives you some clarity as to how this goes. And you also know that no doctor is 100% either. They can't guarantee you 100%. They can give you their expert opinion, yeah. and then you work off of it. And then circumstances could still throw something into the fire and blow the whole thing up anyway. So... There's I'm, always risk involved. I'm just giving you the facts. You can have whatever opinion you want, Pete. You want to be angry about it, you can. I'm just trying to give you the facts. 
Well, I just really wanted to know what the process is. I'm I just sure. gave it to you. Ronnie Bonds, is that who the doctor is? I just, I just gave you. He's the, he's, he's the chief trainer, and the Giants do have a medical staff, including orthopedic surgeons on staff, who get to review all of this stuff. I've just, right. I've just explained it all to you. And, and they did, I would assume they either give the thumbs up or thumbs down. The bottom line yes, the and, day, and by the way, and by the way, this this is not coming from me. This is known around the entire NFL. The Giants are one of the most conservative medical conservative medical staffs in the National Football League. They mm-hmm. are ultra conservative with their rehab and with their clearing of guys to get on the field and passing the physical. They are ultra conservative. So I think I really think you're barking up the wrong tree if you're upset and thinking that guys didn't do what they were supposed to do to check this thing out. I, I just I, I have a hard time believing that. Well, I just can't imagine, you know what, Paulie, I just can't imagine a guy with not and listen, freak accidents happen and I get it. Okay? But I just you know, for me, I'm standing there saying, Jesus Christ, what is, what is he doing the tango out there and he and he and he hurt his shoulder? I don't get it. And then, you, you know, I got upset over it because, to be quite frank with you, I thought it was a very astute signing by, by Gary. Mm-hmm. I really did. And I was very happy about it after reading Walter's grade and everything else. I think we, 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 we actually got a three for a one, to be honest with you, it is the way I looked at it. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I was very positive about it when I heard yesterday what happened. I said, Jesus, he's not even wearing pants. Can I imagine if he was wearing pants? Pete, Pete freak injuries <laughs> happen. Uh, we appreciate the yeah. call. And, again, we spent a long time w- with your call. and Because yeah, I, I wanted I wanted to give you the facts. I just said, you can have whatever opinion you want. I'm not here to change your opinion. I'm simply here to explain to you what I know how these things work. Because, you know, you, you can have a better informed opinion if you know the facts. I appreciate yep. the phone call. Thank you. Thanks, hey, Thanks for you chugging in. Uh, you got it. And Be good. Right. Sounds good. Injuries are the nature of the beast in the National Football League. Remember the Giants drafted David Wilson in the first round, Paul, and unfortunately, you know, what happened with him? That's that's another prime example. Some of these things you just don't know. And then, if you remember, he came back and then re-aggravated it. And I remember I was at training camp that day. It was one of those freak things. Sometimes you're hit at the wrong spot. What was it? Jameel McLean had a similar neck issue, and he actually went through the majority of his career, and he was fine. Continued his career. And so, then, and then, unfortunately, at the end here with the Giants, was again, forced to hang it up. Was forced to hang but it up. He had, Antonio Pierce had that. Correct. So, had, opted to retire. Yes, but... You have different players, similar injuries. They all follow different paths. It's unpredictable with respect to that. You can't classify everybody in the same group. But going back to Pete's main point, and we're going to get to another phone call in a second, you cannot evaluate the true production and long-term perspective of a player until we see what he does over the course of a few years. No question. 2018 may not tell anything. If 2019 and 20 become productive, then 2018 just becomes a thing of the past. All right, let's head back to the lines. Scott is in New Mexico. Scott, what's happening? Hi, guys. Good morning. Well, Hi. actually, good afternoon. Yes, good afternoon. Uh, first, I, I wanted to say how pleased I was to learn that uh, Dave Gettleman's illness was Absolutely. According to an article I read, uh, I'm actually going through a clinical trial myself for a new drug for an illness I have, so I have a lot of empathy for Dave. God bless to you. Uh, 
and I was really gratified to learn how well he's doing. Uh, my question really, uh, in regards to the other caller, from what I understand in regards to the Bill situation, uh, he had uh, shoulder surgery in February. And uh, I guess the Giants knew that and uh, evaluated him properly. So I, I don't have any issues with uh, what's transpired, as both of you have uh, elaborated on. You know, a freak injury can happen, but obviously I don't know if this was to the same shoulder that he was operated on or it's a different injury altogether. I don't know if either of you know. No, his, yeah. his personal medical file is not exactly something we're privy to. But, but again, Coach Shermer uh, said today, they knew that there was a previous issue with a shoulder. Right. Did not indicate if it was the same one. And and I stress again, the Giants used the word aggravated an injury yesterday when they put out their statement. Which means a they were not they were not issue. hiding this. Yeah, they were not hiding right. the fact that there had been something before. Oh no, I, I'm I'm not accusing them of doing that. Uh, I'm sure they evaluated properly, and I'm sure they came to an evaluation that uh, he was ready to play. And uh, as, as as you've both said, you know, freakish things happen, uh, and Actually, you can't predict those. To, you know, and and to be to be obvious, eyes wide open, aggravated means the injury was there before, which means it had to be the same shoulder. Right. You would think so. Okay, yes. we're just using detect, detective knowledge yes. here. We're putting right. two and two together. My, my question to uh, yeah. maybe more something I don't know if anyone can answer. Uh, I know you just talked a little bit about Odell Beckham and so forth, and uh, he's done everything right, but how can Odell not be influenced by – uh, what is going on in the league? Uh, I know Todd Gurley just signed a, a really huge contract uh, with a four-year extension, and he's getting sixty million. And I think I forgot how much is guaranteed. I think it's forty-five million is guaranteed. And I looked at some of the top players that are getting uh, mega guarantees. Obviously, Matt Ryan getting a hundred million guaranteed. He wants, and more importantly, how do teams uh, actually? How can they run a team when it's sort of getting out of hand as to the guaranteed money uh, players are getting? I mean, Aaron Rodgers. I think uh, Lance, you alluded to the fact that uh, uh, Khalil Mack and uh, Aaron Donald, uh, Aaron yeah. Donald, and uh, also Earl Thomas is holding out, and those are uh, in this. I would say in the same ilk as an Odell Beckham as far as talent. So when Odell looks at all of these things and sees that uh, Matt Ryan, who, in my opinion, is not a superior talent to, even though he plays quarterback, is not a superior talent to Odell Beckham, how can he not be influenced it? And then secondarily, well, how Scott, do teams actually manage any of this with the amount of money they're paying out? I mean, I think those are all good questions. Number one, I mean, the quarterback and the wide receiver are two different positions. So, right. you know, when you say that Matt Ryan may not have as much talent as Odell Beckham, you could still argue, though, the quarterback is a lot more valuable to a team than a wide receiver. So therefore, right. that position is going to be paid accordingly compared to the wide receiver. First of all, the salary cap goes up every single year. That's pretty much been right. the trend. And the salary cap went up, I believe, about $10 million from 17 to 18, and they're expecting it to go up as league revenue continues to improve. So I, I don't think teams are necessarily saying to themselves things are getting out of whack. Contracts are all percentage-wise within the realm of the salary cap. And quarterbacks obviously demand the most money because of the importance of that position. I agree with you. I think Odell Beckham and his reps, just like any other player, like Julio Jones and his reps, you're not living in a bubble. You're obviously looking at what's going on around the league. But I think you're more concerned about players at your position, Scott, 
than necessarily what Aaron Rodgers is getting. Because if you're Odell Beckham's agent or you're Julio Jones's agent, you're looking at what Antonio Brown got. And you're looking at what some of the other top receivers so that when you get to the negotiating table, you're like, listen, here's what we think our client is. Here's where we think he's within the same conversation of. We'd like to use this as a starting point. And, and most agents, I think, would tell you the same thing. But every player is different because, for example, Julio Jones has a pre-existing contract. He's got three years left on his deal, whereas Odell Beckham is in a situation where he's in the remainder of his rookie deal. He has one year left, and he actually is looking to extend his deal. So, I mean, once again, every situation to me is very different. I don't think there's two players in the league that can say, hey, the guy across the hall from me is in the same predicament as I am. Well, um, my question is more related to, say, for next year, I, uh, just to cite one example, I think Janoris Jenkins is supposed to be paid, if I'm correct, like $13 million next year, and if they're going to be paying Landon Collins and uh, Odell Beckham, we assume that's going to happen. Uh, there's going to be uh, somewhere, I would imagine, uh, north of $50 million guaranteed for Odell. I don't know what Landon Collins is going to bring, but how does that allow the Giants, for example, then to fulfill a contract with, say, Janoris Jenkins, who's a great player, too? But but does it make it more difficult? And that's really the question I was trying well, to get I at. Well, I mean, I, I think you answered the question without even posing it to us. I mean, I think it's a challenge for any general manager when they've got to balance the budget. I mean, that's what the salary cap is. So that's why I'm going to go back to the Falcons, not that this is Falcons kickoff live, but Julio Jones had an issue with his contract. The Falcons released a statement yesterday that he's going to show up, and they made it clear they're not going to retweak his deal. And the rationale being, Scott, which is a parallel to the Giants, if you're Thomas Dimitrov, the general manager of the Falcons, you say to yourself, I've got to pay Jake Matthews, my top offensive lineman. I've got to pay Grady Jarrett, one of my top defensive linemen, if you remember, who had a hell of a performance against the Patriots in the Super Bowl a few years ago. And i got to worry about Ricardo Allen, my up-and-coming safety. So right, right now, I can't afford to re-examine a contract that I already have on the books and we have Julio Jones penciled in. So the Giants are going to be no different. They've got to take care of players and they've got to prioritize them. As guys have expiring deals, those players take priority. Balance it so that you're not in a position where you've got to pay five or six guys all of a sudden at once. Most teams, they try to stagger the contracts so that this way they can have some breathing room in between the negotiations. In short, this is why many teams actually hire somebody in the front office who, if not officially, is unofficially called their capologist. Exactly. Because yeah. right. this is a very difficult and sticky mathematical equation that you have to juggle every single season. You know, for us to sit here and give you a simple 10-second answer is not going to suffice. No, I realize that. Uh, My last question I was referring to uh, uh, Earl Thomas a little earlier, and at least it appears he doesn't want to sign with Seattle. Is there any chance in hell that we actually could make a deal to get somebody like Earl Thomas on our team? Uh, I don't know what that would uh, indicate so far as players or trade, but I know he was talking to Oakland. I don't know if that went anywhere, but uh, is there a possibility of something like that materializing? I can take the answer Yeah, we'll we'll let you go on that note. Earl Thomas, first of all, you know, depends on the 
asking price for the Seattle Seahawks, and I'm sure they want some good value in return. But here's the other thing that I think you got to understand, Scott. You were just talking about paying Landon Collins and paying Odell Beckham and paying this guy and that guy. Earl Thomas is in the final year of his contract. So if you acquire Earl Thomas, Paul, and you give up resources, then you got to think about, well, it's not going to be a one-year rental. You're going to have to give him a long-term deal. And by the way, uh, with all due respect, he's not going to the 5-10 and 10 for his next contract. No, yeah. <laughs> he He's shopping at Saks Fifth Avenue for that next yes, deal. Yes, exactly. So, you know, that's a part of the mindset. Whenever you go out and you're like, oh, a player's unhappy, he wants to move. Okay, so I got to give up resources for him first because he's not an outright free agent, Paul. And then on top of that, then I have to find a way to give him a lucrative contract. Yeah, I would be very, that's a very, very surprised situation. if he wound up here. Let's head back to the phone lines. We got Len in Columbia, Maryland. Len, what's happening? Hey, Len. Hey, guys. How you doing? doing what, right, are you, what are you coming up? Good, good. Hey, a couple of topics. Um, I, I, well, I want to say something about Beal. Um, I, I thought the, the best we were going to get out of Beal this year was that maybe by the second half of the season, a role would begin to emerge, and he'd be invested in the system. And then going into next year, we'd know more about Apple. And as Lance alluded to the contract with Jenkins, maybe that's an expiring contract. Maybe that's something we don't want to pay, $13 million. So Beal slides in. But I really didn't expect that we were going to get him in week one. I mean, it's a shame that there's this injury. But let me, let me, let me get it away from the doctors for a second. I, I saw a photo of the guy just, I think, two days ago. And he's, he's wearing 41, right? I think, there's, I think the uniform number yes. is 41. Um, I, I know he's six foot one, but the guy looked really slight. I mean, he's 178 pounds. There's a chance when Beal got, when Beal got on the field this year, he was going to be the lightest guy on the field. Hold on a second, Len. Hold on, hold on. Didn't you and John we did. I was just going to refer delve to into this, and the number was a little bit higher than well, what was expected? No, I'm glad you brought that up. Len, I don't know if you went online or you've seen some of the recent shows, but John and I, we spoke to his defensive backs coach at Western Michigan, and we spoke uh-huh. to his head coach. And the head coach, we were asking him about what he played at. He said he played at about 190 when he was at Western Michigan, and he wound up losing a lot of weight because of the process and getting ready for the supplemental draft and the nerves okay. and everything that came with that. But he okay. felt that he could get back to 190, which was okay. a reasonable weight for him to play at. And there, yeah. there have been questions, to your point, about his frame. And the yeah. defensive backs coach said the one thing that he's going to look to improve is adding more muscle and being better in terms of stopping the run. But they felt that the weight and the frame was more than suitable to be a cover corner in this league through press coverage. That was not a concern for them. And remember something, as you draft a player, you're expecting him to mature both physically and mentally and become more and more a part of what you're going to do. Look, I told you guys this before the Giants even drafted him. I did not expect him to be a plug-and-play player right away. Yeah, right, right. Oh, I didn't. Yeah, well, I don't think anybody really did. And again, I thought you know the scenario would be second half, a role would begin to emerge. The guy was invested in the system, and sure. uh, you know, we, here he is. Maybe he's a, maybe he's a replacement for next year for Jenkins, uh, Jenkins or Apple. Listen, I hope the coach from Western Michigan is correct. Let me let me throw this idea out at you, and I'm I, this is I, I'm not trying to. You know, get everybody riled up when I say this. 
if he had gotten drafted this year, he'd have been the 66th pick in the draft. You don't pick a guy. You don't pick a guy who weighs 178 pounds with the 66th. Sure. Let me let me say something about Barkley. Um, I, I saw something. I don't know where I picked it up. Some chat room. Something. Uh, Sean O'Hara. Jeez, I'd love to talk to Sean about this. He said he thought Jonathan Stewart was going to be the starting running. I can't even get through it without laughing. The starting running back. Game one against Jacksonville. I believe that he said that on NFL Network. Yeah, Len, I believe he's made that comment on NFL Network. Sean is here. He'll be on the MSG show later on. I have not discussed that with him, but I wouldn't be surprised if what he meant by that is first series, James Stewart might be the guy who's on the field. You know, first series, as opposed to Saquon Barkley. There's nothing wrong with Jonathan Jonathan Stewart taking the first snap of the season. Honestly, that that doesn't that's irrelevant. It means nothing. Yeah, you you get a number one in the starting column based on who's on the field for the first play of the game. It that's doesn't it. mean you play more snaps, Len. In the that's big it. Picture, yeah. It means nothing. Okay. So well, and and quite frankly, if if the the coaching staff feels that Stewart, being a veteran and has been around a while, they want to reward him by giving him the first snap of the game. I don't think there's nothing correct. wrong with that. Fans are fans, and coaches are coaches, and the coaches know best, and the fans root for the team. I'll be that, you know, I'm season ticket holder, so I'll be there for that opening game. Len, can I make you uh, one there, promise? There is going to be. Can I make there, you one? Can I make you, you one you, promise? You can't not put Barkley on the field on that first series. Point. I, 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 well, well I, I didn't say he's not going to play the first series, but, but Sean may have alluded to yeah. Stewart getting the first snap. But I'm going to make you one promise, and I am okay. not Pat Shermer. I'm Paul Tatino, okay. not Pat Shermer. I okay. promise you, Barkley's going to get a bunch of touches against Jacksonville. Yeah, I, I promise you Len, that. I would not lose sleep. <laughs> Len, I would not lose sleep over Barkley and how many touches he's going to get. I think he'll get plenty of touches, but I, I think it's a little overreaction. And you made a good point. There's a reason why I say fan is short for fanatical, because sometimes yeah. reality yeah. is not necessarily yeah. priority number yeah, one I, in the I, conversation. Absolutely. And I'm as guilty as no, anybody, Len. No, and Len, and, and, and I respect you for pointing that out. But I, I always say this. It's starting in the National Football League is one of the most ridiculous ridiculous stats because snap count is much more indicative of the contributions of a player and the usage of a player than a start because I could put an offensive lineman Len, I could put an extra offensive lineman on the field. He gets called a starter and then I take him out and I don't play him the rest of the game. So who okay. cares who starts? Okay. Well, in, in, in 20, guys, I wanted to talk about Beckham, but if you guys, in 20 seconds, yeah. tell me, tell me what the advantage is of starting Jonathan Stewart on that first series. Well, listen, I, on, it could, I mean, be, could, it, could, it, could it not be out of respect for his career and what he means 
to the, they brought him in here for intangibles too, not just as a player, but for intangibles. If they decide to do that, and again, we're talking ridiculous yeah, because we're, Pat, we're Shermer, Pat Shermer oh, yeah. hasn't said no, he's going to start. I'm, I'm this just is just Sean. What he's all about the future. The future is but, now. But, yeah, we were but we're three and we're three and thirteen, guys. Yeah, we were but three and thirteen. Sean, can I say something? Well, well, let, 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 let me just say one thing. One thing to you. Would you be happy if Jonathan Stewart played the first snap, went to the bench, didn't see the field the rest of the game, <laughs> and Barkley played the other 65? Which may Is happen. that okay with you? Hey, Paul. Hey, Paul. If that's the best I could get, I, I'd be satisfied. Oh, my okay. goodness. Well, Len, Len, before you go on about Beckham, the other, thing that I'd love to, the other thing that I'd love to ask you is when is the last time that the first snap of a season dictates what happens the rest of the year? I mean, I've never seen somebody emphasize right. so much of the first snap of the year. We, we, anyway. we, we got to run. I got to get it's out. A home game. It's a home game against Tom Coughlin and the Jacksonville Jaguars. We're coming off 3-13. and 13. The crowd's excited. Maybe Barkley will be on the field and take the first snap. No. We don't know. Well, well, no, you mean, you mean Barkley. You mean Barkley. Yeah, Barkley. We don't know. Yeah, okay, yeah. This well, was well, just a thought. Of... Len, Len, <laughs> I can only, Len, I can only. <laughs> yeah. right, Len, listen, listen, Len, let me, let me but, say something. Right, real quick, real quick. Yeah. I got to go do an MSG hit, folks. Take care of him, will you? the rest of Len's call. See you, Len. Yes. All right. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Hey, you know, Lance, you you, yeah. you know, you made a statement about these guys who were in the last year of their contract and you know, holding out and so forth. And you know, sometimes you get a different breed of guys. I mean, we're we're talking about, and and I know Jones is a great player too, and Donald, you know, the lineman is a terrific player. But we're talking about a different breed of player here, guys. I, I mean, we're talking about Odell Beckham. I, I mean, the guy. With respect the guy is to one what, of the but, two or three great players in the NFL. Well, I mean, but, you, you, but Len, in, in fairness, I mean, Julio Jones was threatening to hold out. I mean, I, I don't yeah. think it's crazy to put Julio and Odell Beckham in the same grouping. Those are two of the top caliber wide receivers. Oh, oh absolutely. So yeah, I don't think yeah, that's yeah, great. And, 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 I agree. And, 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 no, I'll let you continue. Aaron yeah. Donald? Aaron Donald. We're talking about an elite defensive lineman, Khalil Mack. I mean, these guys that are holding out, it's not apples and oranges to Odell Beckham. I, okay. I think all of these players are within the same conversation in terms of the best of their respective positions. Okay, here's here's my and and, and you guys always are able to smooth this out. But here, here's here's my giant bias. He's the best player in the NFL. Odell Beckham, 16 games, full time for the Giants, means four wins by himself. He means four wins. So. Here's, you know, this this relates to Barkley also. Why why did Barkley get a four year contract as a second pick in the draft and not a five year contract? Well, everybody gets a four year contract as a first round. I thought rounder. they get five. I thought the fifth year the picks fifth, go to five. Well, no, the fifth year is a team option. That's how every contract is structured. It's a four year deal, and then the okay. team can pick up the fifth year option. That's how every so, deal is structured in the first round. Okay. If it, it, well, is that the way Barkley's contract reads? Yes. I mean, he's got the – it's a 50-year option? That's how every first-round contract is. What written. I'm yeah. saying is I think from the player's standpoint, these five-year contracts, these these options to the team to keep them for – I think that's ridiculous. Well, why is it ridiculous, though? 
I mean, that, that's how it's well, always from, been. From a management standpoint, you're able to control your costs for one more year, absolutely. Well, but, but that doesn't well, help the player. Well, it, you're looking at it through the player's lens, and, and yeah, I understand. Yes, I am. But from, I am. Yeah, from yeah, the no te- question. From the no team question, per- I am. From, from the, the team perspective, I, I, you know. Well, but if, from the team I'd, perspective, I'd be, it's if extremely If I'm Barkley, I want it to be over its four years because I want that second contract. Well, and I completely understand that. But I think from the team perspective, they're not going to complain yeah. because you're investing yeah. in a guy with a lot of potential yeah. and upside. And keep this in mind. We've seen more often than not, sometimes a first-round pick, you know, year three may be the breakout year. Yeah. And, and yeah. it may not be yeah. year one or year yeah. two, and you want more time okay. to evaluate the player. Okay, cut, cut me off if you want, guys. I, just, I wanted to add something to that, but, you know, stop me, and I understand completely. Um, this time last year, Barkley wasn't hurt yet. No, not Barkley. Beckham wasn't Beckham. hurt yet. Okay. What, what hadn't Beckham done that would make you not call him in and say, Odell, let's redo the contract right now? What hadn't he done? Well, he had two years left on his contract that time. The mathematics are a little bit different, though. But that's the only thing, right? Well, but it's a similar... But but here we go, Len. You know, the injury happened, so it's really a different story. Well, of course, but Len, it's the same thing that I talked about with Julio Jones and the Falcons. Julio has three years left on his contract. So you you have to think about this. I'm looking at it through the team perspective. I understand there's two sides to everything. If you're a general manager... Okay, of a team, and and we went over with Scott, our previous caller, about how you got to balance the books. If you start setting a precedent for your team, Len, that every time a guy I think outplays his contract, I got to go back and reevaluate it and renegotiate it, you're going to wind up potentially renegotiating every single contract on your roster, and you can't financially do that, especially with the restrictions on the salary cap. So I think part of that is the team rationale. If everybody outplays their contract two years in and then year three, I got to renegotiate it, that means now the next wide receiver is going to come down knocking on my door saying, well, listen, you did that for this yeah. guy. Now I got to okay. do it for this guy. It's a dangerous right. territory. To enter. It, you got to keep it, that in mind. It, Lance, I agree with you completely, but let, let me, I keep saying, let me, let me tell you one more, let me say one more thing. You're, you're not talking about Guys, in the last year, there you're talking about Odell Beckham and Julio Jones. We're talking about elite Lance, guys. These are, I get these it. Are, these are once in a lifetime. These are once in a lifetime players. Well, let me ask you this, Len. Le'Veon Bell, would you consider him a once in a lifetime player? Right for the Steelers running back. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. But no, I mean, notice, what hasn't Bell done to deserve the money? To deserve money? Well, but see, to that, deserve it's, a longer contract. It's relevant. I think that's relevant because Pittsburgh also was of the mindset, yeah, Bell is extremely valuable, but Pittsburgh's also thinking about we're going to have to pay perhaps Ben Roethlisberger's successor. We're going to have to pay an offensive lineman. We're going to have to pay a defensive lineman. Do we want to lock up that much money in a running back that only has played 16 games, one season in his career, and also plays a position that when you start to get to 30 is a turning point? So it's not so simple as it's once-in-a-lifetime talent. There's a lot of other intangibles. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. I guess you. Hey, it's a it's a great day to be a Giants fan, guys. Indeed, it's the start let's, of a new camp. Len, before let's go, let's be, be, go, Len, let's go Giants. And I Len, can't be, wait. Before I let you go, I have a question for you. Okay. Yes. Just, yes. I, I just want to prepare you, Len. If the Giants are in the red zone, they're on the goal line, and Jonathan Stewart gets a carry instead of Saquon Barkley, I, I just want to make sure you're going to be calm, you're going to be okay, and you're not going to run out of the stadium. Can you promise me that? Section 120, 133, okay. I'll be jumping up and down. Okay, Lance. I just want to make sure. 
there's a possibility that may happen. I hey, just want you, Len. a game for Jonathan Stewart. Okay, I will let the coaching staff know, Len. You got Thank it. Thank you. We'll cut Thank it off you. at five. Appreciate right. the phone call. Thank you. Len in Columbia, Maryland, one of our passionate fans. Yeah, I can't believe that we had an entire back-and-forth conversation about who may get the uh, first snap and who may get the first carry in the running back room. I, I think the Giants and the team have bigger fish to fry than necessarily how the carries are going to be divvied up. But in any backfield, and all you need to do is look at the Vikings in all seriousness. The Vikings had Dalvin Cook as their starting running back at the beginning of the season last year. He unfortunately got hurt first few games into the year. And then Latavius Murray and Jarek McKinnon took over and... They split the carries between both of them. Now, I'm not saying that Saquon Barkley is going to be a 50-50 split with Jonathan Stewart. The bottom line is you need multiple options in the backfield. You can't expect to give one guy in particular all the carries. And if you want to look at a blueprint, Christian McCaffrey last year with the Panthers was first-round pick for Carolina, and he shared the workload with Jonathan Stewart. Now, McCaffrey was also more of a receiver than necessarily a running back last year based on what Carolina did in their offense. How about the Saints? Alvin Kamara had a very productive rookie campaign, and he split duties with Mark Ingram. So you need to have multiple options to carry the football, to run routes out of the backfield, and they're going to utilize Jonathan Stewart. I don't anticipate that he's going to be the heavy lifter in what he did in the early stages of his career in Carolina, but He's going to be involved. To expect Saquon Barkley to get every single carry this season, I think, is unrealistic. And I don't think the Giants and Pat Shermer figure that that's what they want to do. They need guys like Wayne Goldman. They need guys like Jonathan Stewart. I mean, it's interesting. When we talk about the running backs for the Giants, all the focus is on Jonathan Stewart and Saquon Barkley. Let's not forget Wayne Goldman is an extremely young running back who also has value and is in the developmental phase of his career, and that's somebody that I wouldn't be surprised if he also gets a handful of carries during the course of the year. Those three are going to prove extremely valuable. It can't just be a one-man show. Saquon Barkley is an extremely versatile talent, but he is not built to be a workhorse. There is no back right now in the National Football League that any general manager or any head coach says, hey, we're going to give this guy 25 carries every single game and nobody's going to see any light. Le'Veon Bell is probably the unique player in that regard, but also, despite all the workload that Bell has gotten, the Steelers are also up and down in terms of whether or not they want to invest in him long term. So I think that says a lot about the running back position, and the last thing you want to do is wear down a guy before he even gets through a full 16-game slate. But not something that I think any Giant fan should be stressed out about. Saquon Barkley is going to get plenty of work. He's going to be an integral part of the offense. You ask any player that has addressed the media, one of the first things they're asked about is Saquon Barkley. What jumps out to them about Saquon Barkley? How is he utilized in practice? And nobody ever shows any doubts or is short in terms of their response. He has met all of the criteria that the Giants were looking at, and he seems to be making a very strong first impression with a lot of his teammates, which I think says a lot about a rookie. And I'm not talking about him flashing on the field and his mannerisms and how he handles himself and how quickly he can move with the ball. I'm talking about they look at him as... about Saquon Barkley, but John Mara made a very poignant comment when he spoke to the media today. And we were talking about this, Paul and I, at the beginning of the show. Saquon Barkley is an overwhelming talent, but even John Mara said, 
expectations need to be kept in check, considering he has yet to see one snap on a regular season field. They expect big things out of him, but sometimes when you put a guy too high on the pedestal, the expectations become so overwhelming that if he doesn't meet them right away, then people get leery. And it's important to realize he's versatile. He's going to be utilized within this offense, but that doesn't mean that people have to crown him day one. It's going to be a long season. 201-939-4513 is the telephone number. Keep that number handy. That will be the number you can utilize to call in all throughout the duration of training camp. And a reminder, we're going to be having our Big Blue Kickoff shows every single day, 1 p.m. Eastern. Normally, it's noon. It will return to noon for the regular season throughout the month of August for the most part. We'll let you know if anything changes. It's going to be 1 p.m. Eastern to 2 p.m. Eastern live. And then, you obviously, you can check out the archive up on Giants.com, which we put up later on in the day. For Paul Dettino, who left for bigger priorities, I'm Lance Meadow. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday right here on Giants.com. We'll speak to you tomorrow. Have a good one.